0: Play at Novibet. Hello and a warm welcome to our first Irish Angle show of the new year in association with Novibet. As usual, I have Emma Nagel and Johnny Ward here and we're going to have a look back over some of the highlights from Christmas, but also last weekend and some of the big things that happened there and some of the big talking points. Emma, Johnny, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks very much, Thanks. really.
0: Now, first of all, Christmas. We haven't had a show since before Christmas, so we may have a little quick look back on some of the highlights. Hewick, obviously a major one, winning the King George Shishkin, a huge run as well for a horse that we thought was gone or whatever. Uh, Marine National, Galloping Day Champ, Statement, Gaelic Warrior, Constitution Hill. What was your highlights Emma?
2: Hewick, I think, was the highlight for me. Um, it's just, I look, I, I wrote him off before the race to be honest. Um, didn't think he was kind of that good, but like he must be. Um, I, people keep saying like he's not a great one horse but like he's he kind of seems to to when people seem to write him off is when he seems to win win these big races like he's a king george winner now and yeah it's it was just um it was just great to see kind of a yard of that profile like a smaller yard getting that big massive win on the big stage like people are saying shishkin would have won but jumping's the name of the game and youick uic got there in the line so yeah that was uh massive celebrations on stevens day watching that one but i think um i suppose as far as being impressive, Gallopin des Champs absolutely took my breath away. I was in I was in Leffordstown on, on the Thursday and yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a performance like that live anyway. He was he was just brilliant.
0: Well one thing I have to say myself, just looking back at Hewitt, is if you go back to last year's gold cup that Gallup and Des won in Cheltenham, Hewick was he'd been up there and he dropped back to about fourth when he fell. And I thought, I know Shark was saying afterwards, oh, we, we definitely would have been in the money. And I was thinking, I don't think so. But having seen the run in the King George, you'd have to say, yes, he probably would have. And he may have even nearly won the Gold Cup last year, the way he stayed on. He would would love the hill, would he? What do you think, Johnny?
1: Yeah, like, Hugh, Hugh is a, he's just a complete outlier, black sheep, everything that jumps racing isn't anymore. Um, you know, he's a horse that was bought for next to nothing. He's trained by, like, Shark has had it low strike rate the last few seasons and has had the odd good horse but most of his horses are modest and kind of struggle to win and you know we've, we've spoken about this kind of earlier on in the season if you look at the big race at down royal um the four horses are all expensive point to point purchases and the stay in national hunt game you look at the Town and the the expensive horses that end up good handicappers they fall into a small number of hands so hewik is he's, he's everything that jumps racing used to be and sort of no longer is because of how professional the point to point game has become and how um horses stay in this country but are bought at a very early stage after being trained uh, professionally to win a point to point for financial reasons and Huey is one of these that has kind of come through the cracks and the i i i apologize for not knowing the name of the race was tipster but i was slagging the tipster off in the spotlights for, for putting him as the nap um, in the king george where I was like he's a good horse he's not going to win the king george the race kind of fell apart a bit i think um it's such the king george is a fascinating fascinating race because you're racing and um, you're turning so much you're racing very early um and even if you look at Paul Townend and Aflutard, like he was, or on, on Aloha, rather, he was kind of... Um I think he was very, very wary of getting the horse racing too early. Um, and he he still ended up being a sort of a bad third in the race, even though like Aloho was kind of out on his feet at the end. And Huey couldn't go any faster than they were going up front. And Gavin Sheehan just basically kept him in the race. The race fell apart with all the drama with Shishkin as well, who I think probably would have won and was he going to jump off. Um, the the race as a spectacle, um, I think it just it's exactly what racing needs because the drama around the race itself, and so many people would have backed Shishkin, the odd person would have backed Hewick. um, they would have backed Brave Game. They would have backed Alaho, But also, just the story of Hewick itself is just—it's fantastic for racing. And um, it wasn't the best performance of the of the Christmas by any stretch. But for me, it was probably the most that people were talking about.
0: Well, we're just coming back to that, right? With with a horse like Hewick, if a small trainer gets this freak of a horse and wins with it, you you would have thought Shark would have kicked on from here. Um, particularly after the the American Grand National, the horse won. It looked like he was getting a whole load of American owners, all new horses coming into the yard. He was on social media every other day telling us all about them. That this hasn't really materialized. The King George isn't going to necessarily change it for him either. What 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 changes this Emma? What what makes a small trainer all of a sudden become a bigger trainer? How do you get to that next level? Because you you would have thought Hewick would have propelled Shark to much greater heights.
2: Yeah, I suppose it's just the quality of horse. Um, I'm not sure. Did he get a lot of new owners? Um, I presume it's probably, if he got a lot of new horses, they were probably kind of low-cost horses, people trying to find another UIC, and you know, it's, it's it's one in a million, like, finding a UIC for spending, like, a thousand quid or whatever, and maybe, maybe that's the quality of horse he was getting in after that, people kind of living on that dream, um, I'm not sure, like, but... I mean, look—he—he's kind of shown if he gets a horse, he can—he can—he can do it on the big day, like Hewick. Um, no one expects him to rack up to these big races and do it. But in fairness, he's—he's he's produced, and he very rarely runs a bad race. Um, for a horse who's always kind of an underdog, I suppose, coming into these kind of contests.
1: If you look at the stats, Vinny, like as Martin Brassel say, Martin Brassel's stats for the last sort of uh, five seasons. This season, he's at seventeen percent. Last season, 9%, season 4, that 17%, season 4, that 15%, season 4, that 7%, season 4, that 18%. So really, really high figures. Martin Braslis had 53 runners this season season and shark Hanlon this season has had 255 he's actually on course possibly to have his his best season in terms of numbers his percentages over the last uh three seasons three percent three percent four percent so i think shark in terms of the stats he obviously has a lot of ordinary horses that might be his modus operandi you know quantity um over quality as a means to an end but the stats don't back up the fact that like he's not necessarily he is actually doing well in terms of his numbers and i've, I've often compared him to Martin brassel i think because shark is a very very good communicator and he's He's great and he's a very likable fella and he's kind of good at selling himself and the likes of martin brazil he doesn't do that has very small numbers probably concentrates on better quality as a result
0: yeah just to talk about martin Brazzle here now let's talk about fast or slow the horse that's beaten gallop and Deschamps champ twice and um, twice he's met him he's beat him he was due to run in the race in leprostown they took him out at the late stage because of the ground wasn't 100 percent suitable what do you think, Emmett? Like, I know you're saying Gallop and Deschamps, most impressive horse, and he was unbelievably impressive on the day, but can you pick holes in it with the fact fast or slow wasn't there? Jerry Kalam obviously didn't run his race, did he? He's, he's, he's in a photo with Cappadano at the line. you think Jerry Kalam is a bit better than that, surely. So are we are we getting the wrong impression here of Gallop and Champ? I know he's a Gold Cup winner, but really, is he, is he a horse who's improved considerably since the Gold Cup with that performance in Leopardstown, do you think?
2: I, 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 to be honest, I, I don't think Jerry Clam could get a whole pile closer to. Well, no, I'm saying that, like I mean, even if he improves ten pounds, like he still has another ten lengths to find with Gallop and Nisham. So, I, I'd, I, I'd, I, I'd, I give him very, very small chance in the Gold Cup. Um, but yeah, I suppose like the question coming into it now is, you know, what would happen if faster slow was there? Um, I think personally that Gallop and Deschamps was a different horse than he was in Pontus Town. But there's going to be that question until they meet again which I'm not sure would it be Dublin Racing Festival or Gold Cup. Um which is good coming into coming into a big race like that because you don't want to be, you know, he's even money for the Gold Cup now. You don't want to be the next three months waiting for him to just loose up. Like, you've got this question now, um, can this faster or slow? He's kind of a bit of a mystery horse, really. He's beaten him twice and he's still getting underrated a small bit. But, look, I think personally, Gallop and de Champ was a lot different in Leopardstown than he had been in Pontestown. Um, I think if he goes to that kind of in that kind of form to a Gold Cup, there'll they'll, they'll be very, very few horses will get anywhere near him.
0: You're probably right. Yeah. I, I I tend to agree with you, but I do have little question marks about how impressive he was in the Leopardstown race because it, it that has turned out to be a funny race on some previous seasons as well, hasn't it? Um so looking at other ones, Marine National, people are all singing the praise of this horse. Look, I myself and Johnny both picked him as one to follow for the national hunt season. Very impressive last year in the Supreme Novices, and obviously he's did nothing wrong in Leopardstown. Is he another winner, Johnny? Do you think going into Chelton?
1: We might have been impressed by him. I bet you didn't lay him at Leopardstown like I did, though.
0: I certainly did not. Mm. <laughs> what made you lay him?
1: I I, I I, was looking at the ground that day, and Jesus, it was so bad. And like they've said, they said after Royal Bond that this horse wants, the Royal Bond last season, when in fairness, he won, but he wasn't overly impressive. Um, I think he was just after winning the maiden hurdle, and he overcame that mistake at the last. Like, his subsequent performance more impressive. Like, this was as testing as Leopardstown basically ever is maybe the the chase track was the best of it that day but you know he hadn't jumped a fence um and mainly on the ground and he, i laid him at about sort of 1.6 or something like that and I, I i honestly i was blown away by absolutely blown away by his performance because if 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 he genuinely doesn't want that ground and on on pedigree and his forms at cheltenham when he just left fast vega for dead um i think he's probably more effective on nicer terrain michael O'Sullivan, i i don't I think there was, I was reading at the weekend about a change of tactics in the Irish field, I think. I don't think there were change of tactics here at all, actually. I, I feel that Michael Sullivan just couldn't really, Michael Sullivan decided that this horse is just so well in himself, he's jumping so well, and further Brazil was kind of upsides him, and they went hard. And, like, visually, I was looking at the race, and I, I didn't look at the times, but I was thinking, these are going too hard here, and maybe he'll fall into a hole, and, um, you know, oh, my Lord, was sort of creeping into it and hadn't been asked a question per se. But he, if, if if you look at him off the back of the last, and he's good horses coming up, um, sort of to, to dispute second or third, and even the horse, Monbeck um, Park and fourth is 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 a good horse and was well backed actually as well. He just eased away again after probably going too hard. His jump was spectacular. Um, I was absolutely blown away by him. I'm delighted for Barry Connell. Barry's had so much in, invested in the game. You know, I was on, um. Matt Cooper's show at the, at the weekend and um, kind of trying to defend racing in terms of the money that's put into it and one thing I should say is that a lot of people have, who have made money like and there was an interview with um, Noel Moore in the Irish Field at the weekend as well. a lot of mo- people who have made money in other parts of life but fall, fall in love with racing they reinvest that money in racing and create jobs and that's something Barry Connell has done and the money he spent like he's been quite unfortunate with particularly our Connor and that, but now I think he might get a bit of luck. This horse could be the best, one of the best two mile horses, uh, two mile chasers I've ever seen. One hundred percent, I think he's going to be that good.
0: Well, that's a big statement. Emma, are you in agreement?
2: Yeah, yeah, I suppose. um Look, he was brilliant last year as a hurdler. They were kind of brave and maybe waiting and waiting to make his chasing debut. Um, but it paid off. I think. I actually we did a show on Friday with Paddy uh, Paddy Flood and he did a brilliant analysis of Michael's ride on on Marie National. He just was kind of describing how he how he gave the horse so much confidence. Um, it's well worth the watch. But yeah, no, he was brilliant. And I suppose the it was him versus Facil Vega was the question coming into the air, even at this at this um, early stage. But you know he seems to always show up on when you need him, and Facil Vega doesn't really always seem to to fill you with confidence. But yeah, it's, you can't pick any holes at all in him. Um he just seems like a very, very special horse, like what Johnny was saying. Like it was interesting, we went to see him in Barry Connell's um a few weeks ago. We did a stable tour down there and like he's not a horse. I mean, if you go to Willie's and you look at Facil Vega, you kinda know he's there, he's got a massive presence, he's very kind of imposing kind of horse. Whereas Marinho National kind of he's you wouldn't pick him out of a lineup. Um he's very kind of um unassuming. And yeah, when he gets onto the racetrack, he's a totally different horse. And he was he was quite lit up on 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 um at Leopard's Town. But yeah, Michael handled him brilliantly. And yeah, he's he's he just looks looks like a bit of a freak.
1: I think conversely, Vinnie the Fasel Vega bubble is definitely burst now. There's just been too many disappointments, and that's a lot I might be a bit harsh and walking in the park, but I think a lot of them do sort of finish tamely at times when the when the gun is put to their proverbial head. Maybe they'll step an up and trip, but I was very disappointed in them.
0: Yeah, I agree. we'll look at another one then is Constitution Hill statement, boat ran over the Christmas period, boat win again. Can anything beat Constitution Hill, Emma? Uh,
2: I, I I would doubt it now, to be honest. Um I'd love I'd love to see him coming over for the Dublin racing festival or something. Like I don't think State gonna beat him, but it'll be nice to see him come over here and maybe give him a small bit more of a chance if it's in Ireland, um, if he's the one doing the travelling. But I mean, I suppose you kind of have to raise the question a small bit. Like State was brilliant, I thought. Um I was actually looking forward to that race to Mawagiana. Um, you know, he kind of just proved that he is by far and above the best two-mile hurdler in Ireland. Um and Townend seems to be kind of convinced that he wasn't at his best at Cheltenham. Look, even if he wasn't, he'd have still have an awful lot to find if he did improve. But um, And it's kind of hard to, like a statement probably is improving, but I'd, I'd say Constitu- Constitution Hill might be as well. So I would find it very hard to see him get near him. But um, I suppose it's kind of a small question in the back of your mind is, can he, can he make him work this year, maybe?
0: Yeah. One other horse that was very impressive over the Christmas uh, was Gaelic Warrior. But, of course, it was slightly, slightly controversial what happened in the race. Johnny, what did you make of this? Patrick Mullins, obviously, he he had gone before the race and told um Danny Mullins, his cousin riding one of the stable companions, that he was going to give his horse a breeder coming to the second last and whatever you do, don't go up me inside. And turns out Danny went up his inside, which was good for racing to see that it was all being run straight. But Patrick, he, he probably shouldn't have said that, should he? Or what the, what's your view of it?
1: Well, we've all said things in the heat of the moment we probably shouldn't have said. And I, I, uh, you know, I, I minded to recall Tony Mullins, Danny's dad, just speaking in, in, in the race and I thing before Christmas about like these races with, um, you know, with certain trainers dominating, and and this was a race that could basically have just kind of happened, and then everyone sort of forgot about it. Oh wow, Gaelic Warrior is very good. We know that, um, and he he again was was very good. Albeit he does jump to his right. So if if Danny had actually gone up, um, I think most jockeys would have. I, I still can't get why he went up the inner of a horse jumping right thought the risk rewards completely agree with Patrick's analysis um, and and I, I wonder if Danny had a plan to do it or sort of I didn't really read his comments afterwards but like did he did he do it in the heat at the moment because the horse was kind of slightly struggling to stay up with um, Gaelic Warrior as it was but to go up the inner of a horse who was jumping quite badly right at times for me made absolutely no sense and um, and maybe he thought he kind of upset Patrick and um, but Patrick had sort of said listen I'm going to be jumping right so you know it's kind of like you know, when Ruby was defending Danny afterwards and giving out about what Patrick was saying and um, Ruby was saying, to, you know, I tell the lads when I was riding, I'm going jumping jump and if go wherever you want yourself. And that's fair enough. But I think in fairness to Patrick, it was sort of spur of the moment. Now he did, um, he did double down on it and treble down on it. But uh, this was, This was possibly the most, the biggest talking point of the entire Christmas for me. This this whole incident because it's very unusual. Patrick, in my view, should not have. He shouldn't have reacted in front of the cameras. He should have reacted in the Wayne room. And maybe he he'll agree or disagree, but like i've done things in the heat of the moment you lose your control and things happen without you even knowing it um i, I actually think patrick was right in this I, I don't i think danny endangered himself he endangered his horse he endangered patrick and he endangered gaelic warrior but doing what he did I, I thought it was it just didn't make any sense going up the inner mm. on the horse jumping right but it meant for a great spectacle and um you know we've heard more from patrick than danny afterwards which is quite interesting
0: but is there not a bigger thing at play here is the fact that you, you've you've got riders before they go out riding for the same stable, talking about the tactics they're going to use and everything else. We didn't absolutely incident not so long ago with, with Sam Ewing as well, mm. where he, he had riding for Gordon Elliott and he was leading and he moved off the rail to let a stable companion come up his inside. Basically, team tactics, um, which the stewards, um jumped on. They've also referred this matter on because of what Patrick had said to Why the though? media afterwards. It's not the bigger issue here.
1: No, no, like, no, because there's, there's actually no issue here. The, the issue you refer to with Sam Ewing, and I think you said at the time, Vinny, this, I, I actually don't remember this ever really happening before. I, I, I have no recollection of it, of a jockey being done for basically letting a horse up um, his inner because, you know, obviously it was the same stable in the instance of the Gordon Elliott runner I, I don't see why i agree with Willie Mullins here why was this issue referred Patrick simply told Danny pre-race there's going to be a gap up the inner don't go there because i'm going to be jumping right that's it problem solved there's nothing to it in my view
0: okay that's fair enough yeah i, I just think i i'm i'm actually happy to see it referred on i wrote a blog about it today i think it's a good thing i think that there is a danger look an awful lot of the things that happen in racing are due to perception and people perceive it to be one thing or another thing, and that's what causes all the trouble. We have it in every area of the sport, really. So here's one that they nip this in the bud because we have an issue with the fact that there are big stables dominating with multiple runners. We would have seen it if, if Nace had gone on yesterday with that novice hurdle. We'd five from Willie Mullins in the race, we'd two from Gordon Elliott, one from Henry de Bromhead. So the, the big stables dominate these races. You need to be absolutely confident from a betting point of view that everything is above board, every horse will, will run in its merits. And you would hate to think that someone is moving off the rail to let someone else come up their inside because they're from the same stable or in the same ownership or whatever it is. So I, I'm, I have to say I'm really happy to see this referred on. I don't think anything will come of it. I think it's totally innocent, as you say. I think it was Patrick largely telling Danny, listen, don't come up me inside because the horse has a tendency to jump right and you. We could be in trouble here. And um, the pair of us, basically. So well, I've, got I've no issue with that.
1: It's more of an issue on the flat. Let's be honest
0: yeah yeah it is to some extent it's an issue on the flat but is it not is it not there a chance that it's going to be a bigger issue over jumps because these stables are so dominant and they've so many horses in races that's that's the issue particularly in the top races
1: I, I think this was a, you know, to, to quote Brendan Duke Jr., a strike for the integrity of the game. Danny decided, in his, in his wisdom, Danny decided, screw this, like, I'm riding, I'm also riding here for a prize money finishing first, I'm riding for my owner, I'm riding for the horse, and Danny must have felt I have a better chance of winning this race, and he just said, like, you might be my cousin, you might be riding the, one of the hottest properties in the yard, but listen, I'm riding my own horse here, and for, in terms of the integrity of the game, this is fantastic.
0: I agree. I think it's great for it, that's the, and that's why I think the, the authorities needed to refer it on and get it out there in the open, exactly what went on and everything else, because I think it is good for the game, to be honest with you, to see, well, particularly what Danny Mullins did is, is very good for the game. Anyway, we shall move on to last weekend, um, loads of issues here. First one is the Fog and Nace, which was really disappointing from all sorts of points of view, particularly that um, Lawler's and Ace novice hurdle looked like an absolute cracker, Emma. Um, what do you think? Did they make the right decision. It took a long time to make it. Unfortunately, the way that the the fog was coming and going all day.
2: Yeah, it was definitely the right decision. I think. Um, and look, it was kind of hurting them. Some people few people being critical but i mean with, 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 with weather like that it's very very hard to predict like it could be gone in half an hour it could come back down um i was actually on the way to the car curling match which was called off with five minutes before the showing which is the same thing again they just couldn't predict what was going to happen with the fog um and i think like even if um the riders felt it was safe i don't think they should be running racing of that quality anyway at least i suppose of any quality when the any when spectators don't have a clue what's going on Um, I was watching it on my phone just the first race and she's like, you didn't even have commentary. If you had commentary, maybe it would be all right Um, and you could see them coming up the home straight. You'd have some idea what was going on, but she's like, what's the point in four or five horses running around in the fog and you've no idea what's going on? Sure, you can't judge the form. Spectators, they don't have a clue what's going on. Um, You can't really bet on it either because you don't don't know what's going on in the races. So it's, yeah, they definitely made the right decision. Um, It was a tough one. Uh, Like a lot of people travel over from England, I think for the day, but um, there wasn't a whole hell they could do about it either, was there?
0: Well, this is the thing. I was looking at in the blog I wrote again. I mentioned this talking about the fact that um this turf club clerk of the course. Their basic um, decision making here is based on safety for both the horses and the riders. If they if they think that the the horses and riders can see the next obstacle fence and it's it's safe for them to go around, that's the that's what makes a decision about the race and being on or off. But I saw a lot of people on social media last night talking about the fact that. Like, is it any good having the racing on if the spectators who paid in can't see the action? What do you think, Johnny? Do, do, do we have to take them into account? Or is it is it simply a case, look, if it's safe to race your race, regardless of whether people can see it or not?
1: No, like... Sorry, the spectators actually run the sport. Like, the the sport is entirely reliant on media rights money now, and that is based on people betting on the product, and they're not going to bet on the product if they can't see it. I note that somebody, in his or her wisdom, backs Brandy Love at 1.08 and running on this changes. Must go down as one of the best, one of the worst bets ever, in the sense that I don't even know could even see the race or, or she. Um, but anyway, like, wh- what is the point in running this if you can't see it? And, I, okay, first of all, the priority should be the, 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 the safety of the horse uh, sorry, the jockey, and then obviously the rider. But the, if the, the the people who paid into NACE yesterday got a really bad experience because this was a brilliant day to go racing, I wasn't racing yesterday, I was down home, I was really looking forward to it. And unfortunately, because of the weather, they got shortchanged. But your blog hits on it here. This racing cannot. Um, racing is entirely reliant on people watching it and betting on it and this is an entirely uh, unsatisfactory experience from start finish when you couldn't see it Um, and may I just add as well I have massive sympathy for everyone at NACE because the weather is just getting harder and harder to predict this wasn't this wasn't um, straightforward because it could have gone away and a delay of an hour would have been grand even calling off one of the races or doing whatever so I have massive sympathy for nays but you we need to know where our bread is buttered here and this race has not been um, supported by anything really in terms of its, its future other than people betting on it we need people betting on it and they won't bet on it if they can't see it
0: okay but but just on that which is another point i was making is where do you draw the line here when can they see it is is it enough if we if we could see them jump in the last hurdle home or does it need to be you be able to see the whole home straight or do you need to be able to see the entire track what 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 constitutes the audience being able to see and where do you where does the clerk of the course then make that decision what do you think emma
2: i think you i think you have to have commentary anyway there's no commentary yesterday only when they came into view i think commentary has has to be there um like, I think, was it the Tyestes there a few years ago? They went around in the van and you could kind of see bits and pieces. I thought that was all right. Um, like, if, if there's commentary and you can see, you don't, don't think you have to be able to see the whole thing, really. Personally, anyway, I could be wrong on that now. But um, there's something a bit uh, exciting as well about them emerging from the fog, I suppose, if you have the commentary on it, at least you have some idea what's going on. But, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a hard one to judge, I suppose. Um different race covers might have different opinions on it a lot of race goers don't want to watch the race anyway so it wouldn't make no difference to a lot of them <laughs> but um yeah no <laughs> I, i'd be happy happened. enough i'd be happy enough for commentary and see them come up come up over the last anyway that'll probably do me
0: yeah but you see that like you know you've been to big meetings any of the big meetings you go to sure half the people are in the bars they're having lunch they're not even interested oh there's a race on is there and they you know quickly have a look at the tv to see what's happening but I, so I I don't know. Look, I th- I think to be honest with you, I think it was just a very unfortunate set of circumstances yesterday for Nice. There was nothing they could have done. They did the very best they could to get the meeting on, and it was just one of those things you can't predict fog. That's the issue, isn't it? Um, just that so was one here.
1: last thing, Vinny, that that yeah. did surprise me was that it did seem that um, I was I was at the a Dundalk meeting this year where the race was race meeting was called off after uh, one race due to freezing fog, um, and and. Just going forward, I do wonder, is there a way of um, assessing the situation without having a race? Because it sounded to me afterwards that it wasn't really safe for those riders to ride in that race over fences. The the, the kind of reaction from Daryl Jacob and maybe one or two others was like, I couldn't really see what was going on. So I do wonder, could they use the example of those two meetings at Dundalk and Nase in the last um, sort of six, seven months or whatever it was, and just say, can we allow this to happen again where riders basically are riding in an unsafe situation and we don't know until a race takes place because it could be too late
0: but how do you that's the whole point isn't it that's why they were holding all their inspections and delaying Mm. starts because they actually thought at the time that they they started the race that the back straight was fine seemingly they could see clearly there so I don't know. Look, it's, that's the problem with fog, isn't it? Because it can come and go so quickly. Uh. As I was saying yesterday, here at the moment it was cancelled. I'm here in the Curra, and we had had fog in the morning. It had cleared into clear skies at the very moment that they cancelled that meeting. And I thought, oh gosh, that's a pity. You know, it's probably going to clear for them in Nice. Twenty minutes later, we're back in thick fog again in the Curra. And then another hour later, it had cleared again. And then it only lasted about 20 minutes again and gone again. So it is a very difficult situation, I suppose, with fog. Anyway, we shall move on to one thing. Yesterday, we saw Ride of the Year in Plumpton. Joe Anderson, I have never seen anything like this, I have to say, on Horse Call Transmission. Did you see it, Johnny? Emma said she saw some of the highlights of it anyway on social media. Um, most remarkable. The horse made a very bad mistake at a hurdle on the second circuit. It was a three-mile race or whatever. On the second circuit, made a very bad mistake. And when it made the mistake, Joe Anderson was shot up onto the neck of the horse, was hanging underneath the neck of the horse momentarily until he got himself back in the saddle, had no stirrups, went for four hurdles without stirrups, then got them back in eventually. I think one of them had gone in under the saddle behind or something. So by the time he got it back out. But he went on to win the race. I, I don't think I've ever seen such a recovery. Did you see it, Johnny?
1: Yeah, like it's, it's. I mean, again, I wasn't actually looking at the in running market, but like this was extraordinary. It's this type of thing that racing really, really needs to be like, um, I guess like sending to every, every you know, when when we've had conference season racing, it's it's made kind of um, you know, TV coverage all over the world. This is the thing we really need to sell because, like, again, you've a, a, a jockey, like Joanne kind of a you say, maybe a, journey, a journeyman sort of jockey type thing, um you know over the last two i'm just looking 274 rides over the last uh, five years and um, not a bad strike rate or whatever but this was how many how many would have given up how many would have stayed on it was absolutely extraordinary and um, a rare comment in running at the end of the race and post fine ride at the end and what are we in seven days into the year and i think actually this this would be if you had a ride the year this would already be long odds on
0: yeah I think that it, I agree with you. Look, people talk about horse racing and you hear people saying, people who think they know about it, say, no, oh, the jockey makes no difference. Anyone would have won on that and everything else. And they talk about deriding a lot of the champion jockeys down the years, saying, oh, sure, anyone could have won on such and such a horse like a Constitution Hill or whatever else, which may largely be the case. I don't know. but But these guys have a lot of skill, a lot of bravery. Um that was some performance, in my opinion. And I know going back, God, must be 10, 12 years ago, I remember being over in Boston, Boston College, um, one of the universities there, and they have their, their um, American football team. And there was some kid years ago um, in their final, they were playing in whatever final they have in the colleges thing in America. I don't know much about it, but I know that this guy threw a Hail Mary pass anyway in the last seconds and someone got a touchdown. And they have a big life-size statue built to him in the outside their football stadium inside the college of this throw that your man did when he was, whatever, 18, 19. I just think it's not fantastic. Well, Plumpton should probably have a statue to Joe Anderson at some stage because, like, it really is. It's once-in-a-lifetime stuff, isn't it? Um, anyway, we go on to Wolverhampton also on Sunday, which was another one of these meetings in the Premier Premier um set up that they're bringing in for 2024 in the uk and it was the first ever sunday evening race meeting emma is this a good idea
2: no i I, to be honest, I don't really see um the attraction point like I sunday racing was probably opposed when it came in as well but you know i think on a sunday everyone everyone's kind of mad to watch a bit of sport which makes sense but on a sunday evening i mean there's very few things um very few people i think would be too drawn to watching it um people who are are mad to gamble maybe um like i don't think any any of the any of the the staff at the races want to be there none of the jockeys trainers i mean look it's it's kind of easy to say just don't go but um like the prize money on offer is so attractive and you're like you have to kind of i suppose for owners and stuff you have to you have to give the horses good chances of winning good races and stuff so yeah it's it's a tough one um and you'd imagine like uh look people will gamble on anything i suppose and sunday evening is probably a good time for people with with uh to base with that much else on so you maybe maybe it'll work out for them that's probably the only thing that'll drive it forward i suppose it did not seem to be a whole pile of interest from spectators you know a few jockeys didn't seem too too happy to be there um but I suppose betting, betting turnover was all that's going to matter to see if this works out or not.
0: Yeah. Well, like it's just again here, you look at Sunday racing when they brought it in originally. Um, it was a slow burner in the beginning, but now look at it, look at Ireland, particularly where all our feature races take place on a Sunday. Um, so it's, it's, it's the main day of racing in Ireland. now was a Sunday when there used to be no racing in a Sunday for hundreds of years. Um, Sunday evening racing could be the next big thing, Johnny, what do you think?
1: I, I don't see it at all, to be honest. Like I was no. I was just saying to you before the show, I was coming back from the train from Galway on the train yesterday and put on the race post and I was like next race six minutes and I was sort of like half seven or something. I was like, What do, I was I genuinely was you know the way Christmas kinda of can throw you in terms of what day of the week it is? I was like, Is this is this actually Sunday? Because I, I, this had kind of happened unbeknownst to me, and I started reading up, I'd read your blog video as well, we're probably not a million miles off situation where we're racing at nine or 10 in the morning if it suits the uh, market, where like I mean, so many, 360 race meetings in Ireland um, this year, an awful lot of them are, um, effectively industry meetings really where hardly anyone pays in and you go along like particularly like flat meetings at some of the lower some actually a lot of tracks flat meetings at some of the bigger tracks there's just nobody there um and you know we we'll are get to the stage where all of the sort of the the money basically is coming from betting off course. And if our market, it's kind of like the Premier League now. You see the, the Premier League, how scattered the fixtures are. And I think it's it's a complete mess having games at like 12 o'clock on a Saturday, particularly big games. But Sunday night for me, I'd say the staff coming back from that meeting, they're on a bit of a calm down. They're like, I'm coming back from this. Probably have to go up early on a Monday morning. Um, you know, They did have de- increased prize money. But as you said in the blog, Vinny, that, that's kind of come at a cost elsewhere as well. And there's so much racing on um I think you put it very well in your blog and i've been working weekends pretty much all my life so i don't know the difference but these this is the type of decision made by a person who just doesn't work the weekends
0: yeah that's the key isn't it there's there's nothing worse than that i find anyway it's you know someone telling you to do something and they won't do it themselves and that, that look we can see it from i suppose horse racing is it's a leisure industry ultimately from the spectator point of view that's that's where it goes so you you've got to be you've got to put the meetings on when people are off which is why we have meetings on weekends which is why we've meetings on bank holidays and so on and all around christmas when everyone else is basically off or at least used to be and all the retail sector only seem to close for 24 hours nowadays um so i i don't know i can see i can see why you you might want to tinker with it and say yeah let's trial it but ultimately is there not enough racing there's enough days in the week without having to do it a sunday night i think anyway if you look at we'll see what happens they've got trial for six meetings in the uk ultimately it'll depend on the betting turnover if it turns out to be a success from that point of view it probably will come here too and there's not a lot we can do about it um, just, and anyway. just
1: one other thing on your on your blog that you mentioned and i, and I thought it was it was lee modest had wrote about this in the racing post that the you, you kind of start revising a bit our take on prize money in Ireland versus other meetings. And some of your figures were amazing, really. Like, run, Nace didn't actually compare that favorably to a kind of a run of the mill um, meeting in Britain. And I met Anthony McCann, um, I met him at Dundalk pre-Christmas and I met him again since because he had a winner, I think, or he had a runner at Limerick for any second, but he was texting me that he was to back his horse uh, on Friday at Wolverhampton and I completely forgot about it anyway, but the horse was Circles, right, and Circles has been kind of becoming a little bit frustrating in Ireland where she's been sort of knocking on the door but um, hasn't been winning. Just looking back, her last win was in in Ireland, was in St. February, and she's finished third, fourth, second, yada yada, and all of this. So he sent her over to Wolverhampton anyway to run again and I said, "I forgot about the race. Six thousand three hundred quid to finish first, right? In a race that would have taken less winning and um, would have been less competitive. And that's uh, obviously Sterling onto Euro. So there are actually are, and you look at Slate Lane as well, brilliantly placed by obviously Shrewd Connections. There are very good opportunities in Britain if you look, if if you have a good race planner and to, to kind of get to, again just finish up the point of this. And you were on about in the blog. I don't think some plan properly i don't think they either have the time or maybe it's the kind of intuition to do it but there are definitely opportunities in britain that are easier and um actually make a lot more sense than Ireland at the moment
0: yeah i was even making a point about the fact that Plumpton's very easy to get there from an irish mm. perspective for a race goer not, not necessarily for the horses but for a race goer going like if you if you think about this and you think about it kind of financially you can you can get a return flight to gatwick for about 30 quid with ryanair and um, depending on the day of the week you're going and everything else but for about 30 quid you can get a return flight another tenner gets you down to t- plumpton i don't know what it is into plumpton say it's 10 or 15 pounds into plumpton but you can buy duty free on the way back i was looking it up recently because i go to spain affair because we have a house over there and was looking at what you can what you're allowed to bring back and forward with duty free and um, they're saying you can bring eight hundred cigarettes that's that's four sleeves of them that saves you about 400 quid right? but so like you think you think about this you you know it might cost you 60 70 quid to go to plumpton but you bought you bought 800 cigarettes is, is 400 quid in, in cash if you sell them on and um, you've also can bring in alcohol like i don't know. Maybe
1: I, Vinnie, the, the, you forget about this like racing tours like you know if you can kind head. of market this go racing in england and basically make yeah. money by flogging a few <laughs> cigarettes when you come back like or smoke you know <laughs> <Why not? laughs>
0: there you are anyway we should we should move on to horses to follow have you got one each for me um from anything yet you want to throw at me um johnny have you happened you saw over the christmas particularly that you think will win soon
1: there were there were so many um i'm actually going to give I, i'm going to give irish point now i i wasn't sure i was on but david jennings on off the ball before christmas i think he gave me said whatever race he runs and he'd win um now a few people have said to me are certainly amazed mine have said the race was a mess at leopard sound it didn't go any gallop and so on and so forth but he's by joshua tree um uh so he's a, he's a kind of a rare enough national pedigree for the time being anyway and he won over what two and a half two and Um. But, like, he was running on proper testing ground at Leppertown, fell asleep in the race, absolutely bolted up. And fair enough, um, his main market rival, um, you know, who made the running, was disappointing. But I, I thought Irish Point was brilliant. And I was minded to think um, there was a bit of, I think, 6-1 to one available for the World Hurdle. Um, got into a bit of um a, a kind of a friendly debate with the lad who was slagging me about my uh, praise of irish point as to what jack kennedy would ride in the stairs hurdle to upper irish point and it will be slightly ground dependent and we end up having a friendly bet that it will be um, irish point and i'd be very very happy with my bet at leave money there
0: yeah an interesting thing about that stairs hurdle world hurdle whatever you want to call it depending on the area the you're from but you, you would think a conditions hurdle over three miles odd Should have a short price favourite each year, yet it seems to be the hardest puzzle to unravel every single year in Cheltenham. You could nearly bet seven or eight to one the field at this year coming in at this stage. Well, it's kind Um, of
1: waiting for that Like big books or kind of one of those stars to emerge. It's a long time since that one has been in that division.
0: Yeah, as they used to say, like the further they go, the more the certainty is, the longer the trip and all that type of thing. But it just doesn't seem to happen for that particular hurdle race for whatever reason. Anyway, Emma, have you won for me?
2: Um, yeah, I suppose there wasn't a hole by the race scenarios last week. So I'll give one there from um Sabbath Day at Leopardstown in a handicap power hour. I thought he was fairly eye catching. Um, first time in a handicap, rated about 100, 109. He looked a bit green, but he, he, he made up plenty of ground once he got a bit of light in the straight. Um, I'd say he'll probably win off that handicap mark sooner rather than later.
0: Good stuff. All right, I'll give you a funny one. It's never a run. That's the first thing. <laughs> um, one that was due to run yesterday in Nice and didn't when the, the meeting was cancelled, but it's a. Uh, In the four-year-old bumper, the race meeting's due to be on again on Friday. So hopefully we'll have similar declarations and the horse will be in again. horse called Frogman, trained by Richard O'Brien. It's actually owned by Robert Hall, who used to work for RTE, doing all the racing coverage with Ted Walsh for so many years. And it's first horse, Robert, has had, and I am told this horse works very well. Richard O'Brien won this race two years ago. And then last year was about to win it again when he sold the horse to Paul Nolan, which went and won the race. So he should really be going for three in a row. Um, horse was five or six to one yesterday i think it's worth a little bet each way from what i'm hearing so there you are well look that, if that's a fantastic gamble on.
1: race pity that that's yeah. that race is like a mate of mine used to say when we were going racing right that's three i have for the bumper so and he'd be t- putting yeah. it down at the race car i had three tips for that bumper yesterday and i wasn't even looking for them and it's just like four-year-old bumpers in january are obviously the way to go
0: that's great fun isn't it yeah yeah but just follow Richard O'Brien you can't go far wrong anyway is the first thing with that and but if you are gambling do gamble responsibly and we shall see you all again soon so make sure to subscribe to our channel if you haven't already and follow up on all the stuff we have Emma will be coming back with our eye catchers I presume on Wednesday again Emma will you
2: Yep, and Morning. we have Forum Scan on Friday as well. Ah, sure, perfect.
0: It's all great stuff, yeah. Three times a week we're at it now. Well, Emma is. I'm not, I have to say. Neither is Jamie for that matter. But look, we'll see you all again next week for this show. Thanks for joining us. Bye for now.